and boom goes the dynamite. Welcome to episode 64 of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how you doing, man? Welcome, Jeff, to Super Boom Goes the Dynamite 64. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, if I was thinking... It is 64-bit Boom Goes the Dynamite. We have more pixels than ever. Uh, you can run us around in 3D with your one single joystick in the middle of your controller that eventually wears out when you when you rotate it too many times playing Mario Party. Or, or uh, you know, Virtual Pro Wrestling too. Or virtual you know. Pro, yeah, you can play wrestling. Yeah, I mean, you definitely need to crank out of those submissions in WCW versus NWO World Tour. Yeah. You know, Didn't I, you have I, to, like, I, rotate out of a submission in one of those games? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I remember just... The palms of my hands yeah. going raw from like stick rotation in video games. Hell yeah! Oh, those were the days. And you know, trying had, to pull ten eighties in the titular Ted eighty snowboarding. Had I been thinking, we could have done something like, you know, we could, you know, I, but I hadn't been thinking. I, I've had a hell of a day, and of course, the country's had a hell of a day again. It's always yep, on Wednesday. Uh, the the last. Every Wednesday uh, in 2021 so far, some momentous thing happens for the entire nation. You know, you know what I did? I went back to freaking brunch because uh, the world is regular again. Everything's fine. Everything's cool now. Um, everyone's happy again. We solved all the problems and uh, we're all good. So yeah, congratulations. Well, to, which isn't to really everyone. the case, but you, you know did what? it. You did it, world. Everyone did it. But you know what? It is a good question, though. What are we going to do when, like, how are we going to adjust to having, like, something completely batshit insane not happen every single day now? Oh, well, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that, Jeff, because I think just something batshit insane is going to happen every day anyway. Yeah, so, you think, uh, okay, great fair news, enough. Jeff. It's going to keep happening. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch Impact this week, or, or in fact, over the weekend? I did not get a chance to watch other wrestling content over the weekend. Uh, I spent my weekend smoking meats and rescuing rabbits. Oh, so, rescuing yeah, rabbits. We, uh, Is that a video uh, game reference, or did, were you actually no. rescuing rabbits? So we literally were driving home from picking up dinner and found a uh, domesticated bunny rabbit just in the street. Uh, and oh the goodness. little guy came up to, uh, to, to us and we, uh, we just took him in. So we got this little bunny living in our basement now. Oh my goodness. Uh, we're working on finding him a good bunny home, but it's the cool dude. It's the coolest rabbit. Like I didn't know rabbits were like cool like this, but like, he's like affectionate and stuff and like hangs out. 
He's a very cool, very chill rabbit. We have too many pets to uh, to keep him around as like a permanent rabbit, but he's a cool ass rabbit. And you're not gonna suddenly develop a taste for Hassenpfeffer either, so I'm guessing I'll, so. I'll go with you. He looks delicious, but <laughs> God. <laughs> so well, very, um, well, if you follow me at Thick Flare TTV on Twitter, I uh, posted some pictures of the bunny. Uh, it was a very cool bunny. Uh, you can tweet at me with your thoughts about bunnies if you'd like. So I guess um, a couple of impact things. I, I, I'm going to steal your impact hat briefly. Um, you know, you just asked. I'd let you borrow it. You didn't have to steal. <laughs> Did I give you that hat anyway? I have to. St- I have to stop this steal. Oh, gee. Um, so I guess Kenny Omega and, and Guns and Gallows won their big, uh, the big tag team match, which featured, you know, I, champions. Look, I wanted to watch Hard to Kill, but then I looked it up and it was $40 and Fuck I just that. wasn't going to pay $40 for it. So I'm, I'm glad that it was good. And I heard it was good. And I saw a couple highlights and it looked like it was a fun yeah. show. Um, question that's going to keep coming up, uh, how does Doc Gallows able to wear a Bullet Club insignia? We haven't figured that out yet, and the world may never know. Um, I know there is a, a one small update to that, I suppose. It could be related. It could not be. But Tony Khan and AEW have filed a trademark for Too Sweet. Oh, is that right? They have filed for that. I, 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 I didn't WWE see Tony. My... Oh, um, yeah, WWE and Pro Wrestling Tees have both in the past filed trademarks for Too Sweet, but have let them lapse and uh, did not finish it. I saw that uh, uh, Tamatonga was. Uh, I, I saw he was joking about filing some variant of two feet as well. Uh, oh, trademark because okay. I know, like that. Yeah, you know, dueling well, trademarks. That's a nice way to build an angle. Um, but also uh, on last night's episode of Impact, I guess Private Party became the number one. Con- you know, AEW's Private Party became the number one contenders to face guns to face uh, the Good Brothers. Guns yeah, they did a whole thing where they were there. Matt Hardy brought them in. Uh, you know, another good use of the crossover stuff there, I think. Private Party. We're going to talk about Private Party from for the card tonight. But uh, they're guys to watch out for. And if you're going to do a talent exchange, that's the type of talent I think you want to do. So, uh, with that, we go live to Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, for episode 64 of AEW Dynamite. Your hosts, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. And we start right off with... A birthday celebration for Brody Woo! Lee Jr. So happy happy birthday, kid. Happy birthday to negative one to Brody Jr., uh, the little exalted one. This segment, Jeff, this segment ruled. I loved all of this. I loved every second of everything that happened from start to finish with this whole thing. How do you, uh, not, how do you not like a kid's birthday party on a wrestling show? Yeah, it was. I mean, and not only just the, you know, the sentiment of it, but the execution was great. By everybody, all around. Everyone played their roles wonderfully, including Brody Jr., who continues to just be a worker. Brody Jr. like is already a star, man. Like he was emoting and like reacting at like the right times and like being really animated at times and doing just like like little things that you would expect someone like like a performer to know how to do. Uh it's just very impressive. Luther did a great job just being a cartoon villain. Oh yeah. uh, Really just played that role up really wonderfully. Uh, the, the match itself was a lot of fun. All of this was great. Uh, we got our first ever AEW cake spot. Yes, we did. Chekhov's cake. You knew it was going to happen. So, hey, so, ha- so screw that wedding angle. We had a cake. We, our first cake spot was due to 
Brody Jr. So well, hey. it's the first cake, but not the last. Damn it! Yeah. Um. And of course, you know, uh, you know, Brody Jr. cutting that that you know burying, uh, Chaos Project at the worst. My birthday was three days ago. You idiot! That was the best part. So yeah, we should we will um. The, the match was uh, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, Colt Cabana, um, and Adam Page. Oh, yeah, taking, oh, uh, yeah the match. <laughs> Chaos Project and the Hybrid 2. Uh, so there's a dust-up. There's a really good match uh, that ends with um, the uh, Silver and Alex Reynolds assisting uh, Adam Page to get the victory. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, here, I, I had it written down as... It was an Alex Reynolds jackknife following a combination of the buckshot lariat and a German suplex. Yeah, it was that sequence to end the match was fantastic. That was great. That's like that a, a great well trios. Fi- that's like a great trios finisher right there. Yes. Yeah. Th- and this really match is. had a very lucha libre trios match feel, did it not? Yeah, I mean, eight man, but yeah, for, for sure. Uh, it had you know. it had one of those big matches. Like yeah, the, I think I think it definitely had a lot of lucha elements to it. Um, yeah, I, I forgot that it was an eight man because it really felt like a trios match. You know what I mean? It had the energy of one. Yeah. Uh, cause sometimes those eight mans can just feel a little too mucked up and clogged up. You know what I mean? This one had a great flow to it and they did like a lot of good out of the ring antics. Like I know that there's been some criticism on AEW about like using the outside of the ring kind of egregiously and doing things that don't make sense. The outside of the ring spots in this one did make sense. They were used properly. Uh, I thought that was really well done. And yeah, that, that finishing sequence of just all that shit was just awesome. Um, that we, we get uh, Brody, uh, to your point, with the best line of the whole night, I think. Oh, yeah. When he said, my, it was three days ago, you idiots, and threw the papers. Uh, <laughs> he threw the papers. <laughs> it was just, I mean, ch- really channeled his dad's energy in a way that, like, I don't even know if we've seen yet from him, which is just, it was heartwarming, and it was really funny. And just really great stuff, man. My God, this kid is. I mean, this kid is on his way to being like the 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 worker of the year already. He might be already. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real talk. Uh, Post match, we finally get the answer from Adam Page, and uh, despite the preemptive celebrations by the Dark Order, uh, he refuses to join the Dark Order and seemed actually really sad about it. Yep, because because his heart's been broken before, Jeff. And you know, he just doesn't want it to happen again. Another reason the Young Bucks must be punished. You know, I, and you know what? I can't blame him for this. And you know, I have a, a very good story for this. Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a great what could have been story. Oh, dude. For this. Uh, so Alan Wilder left Depeche Mode in 1995 after... Uh, playing the final oh, I show. I not know you. This is, okay, please continue. Uh, left Depeche Mode in 1995 after, you know, being in the band for 13 years. Um, you know, I, 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 it turns out I was at his final show because it was in Noblesville, Indiana. All right. And, uh, and, but not long after that, uh, Robert Smith of The Cure invited Alan Wilder to join The Cure. And you think, oh, wow, the, I did not know this. you think this could be a great thing. He declined because he had just gotten out of a band for 13 years and decided, you know, maybe that's the last thing he wanted to do was get into another band situation. Right. And that's fair. And, you know, maybe that worked out for the best. I, I love The Cure. I don't know if you knew that about me. Uh, the Cure rules. I, yeah, my, 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 yeah, my honey's a huge Cure. I, I like The Cure. Because The Cure like is the great. Cure a lot too, so. 
Um, but yeah, I'm you know a huge Depeche Mode fan too. So you know, I'm a huge fan of The Cure. I'm a huge fan of Darby Allen, The Cure of Wrestling. Uh, I'm a fan of all of that. So, but yeah, I what what did you think I was gonna? Get? I had no idea, but uh, a story <laughs> about Depeche Mode and The Cure definitely wasn't where I thought it was going. <laughs> it def- that wasn't on my list, and I love it. Yeah, but that's I mean, a, you're, nice you're, not gonna, yeah. you're not going to complain so, about it, though, are you? No, not at all. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. I don't think this angle is over. Oh, I don't either. And I think the the, the match that we we saw scheduled for next week, I think we're going to see that come to bear too. Probably. So, uh, but we'll get into that later. Uh, we go backstage for a Chris Jericho MJF promo, talking about the 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 tag team uh the in inner in the inter inner circle tag team feud going inter-circle. on inter-circle the inter-circle match yeah the inter-circle match as jim ross would say later on in the program the inter-circle eiffel tower of doom match yeah um you know i again i i wish i could care about this angle but i just don't oh interesting i see i think that this is a, a decent little shot in the arm for the inner circle because it presents the questions of what's next for a lot of these guys, right? Like, I think we're starting to set up, like, the actual, like, end game for the inner circle. Like, this is kind of the beginning of the end, right? And, and doing these kind of matches is that. So I think asking those questions is pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, yeah, you could see that they are heavily teasing the, the breakup of the inner circle with this. Yeah. But... But, you know, it's been something that, you know, it's a slow burn story. It's been a long time coming. And based on who wins this match, you know, there's a lot of possibilities and a lot of directions this whole thing could go in. So leaving this thing a bit open ended here and leaving some questions there, I think, is a good way to do it. I think we're probably a little bit exhausted on inner circle stuff at this point. But I think this is about the best way to kind of steer it to its natural conclusion. Well, the you may be right. It's just uh, really I, I'm I'm past caring is the problem. Uh, fair. And, That's fair. And and you know I I can understand that being totally valid. But, you know, I think there's a lot of talent there, and especially Santana and Ortiz. I think that's the biggest question mark here is, like, what's next for Santana and Ortiz? And, like, what happens tonight and in this match I think is indicative of that. We then get a promo in the ring between the man they call Sting and the TNT champion Darby Allen that gets interrupted by Team Taz. God, Taz is so good, dude. Holy shit, is he good. Taz is just so good. Like, this is just... Taz's wheelhouse, just Taz being Taz. Uh, Hook doesn't blink. I think they've taught Hook to not blink. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Taz had a bit of a normal one on commentary on Dark this week, I heard. Oh, my God. The funniest. Like, is there a way you can just, like, play that? Like, uh, I don't have the I don't have the clip. I'll send you the sound if you want to cut it into this episode. Uh, I don't think I'm going. I to. have it. <laughs> I don't uh, think I'm I mean, going. is there how can can I get it to play like on the? Because I want it's incredible. Why don't you just put post it to the Twitter? I'll post it to the Twitter. I'll retweet it. Yeah, um, we're, we'll we'll post the the sound clip to the Twitter. I still haven't even heard it, but I heard oh, about God. it. I want it. I I wish I could hear you react to it live on this podcast. It is so good. Okay, uh, are you able to play it? You know what? Fuck it. Here's what I'll do. I'll play it. Okay. Um, play, like play just, I'll put my microphone up to it. I don't even right, care. Play, play it right now. Okay. Let, let, yeah, let's I'll, I'll, it. I'll absolutely do that. Okay, here we go. Taz, were you in band in high school? I 
actually was. Uh, I've played uh, many brass instruments, like a trumpet, a trombone, or a tuba. Also played many woodwind instruments, like you hear a saxophone now. I also played the clarinet and the xylophone. A real uh, Chuck Mangione type jazz. Yeah, similar. Feels so good, Excalibur. You ever play the skin flute? And Excalibur were just pausing and going, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy shit. It's so good, right? Oh, God. See, wasn't that worth it, Jeff? Wasn't that worth oh, it? Oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> I heard, no, I heard that they, uh, they, they had to edit that out. Uh, well, they shouldn't have because it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, uh, I heard they had to edit that out, but uh, that's the kind of shit. Well, that you know, at, at the same time, for. well, I can get them in some serious trouble too. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just it's an honest question. He <laughs> just yeah. wanted to know about his musical acumen. Were you in band, Paul? What was I in band? Yeah. No, I was playing skin flute. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, hey, you know. <laughs> So, no, this is, this is like, I've talked about Excalibur and Taz being a really good pair on AEW Dark, and this kind of shit is why. They're just having fun out there. Oh, my God. I played saxophone. Uh, alto saxophone. So, uh, the, the, the whole point of this is that uh, we're coming up to some sort of street fight with between Darby or Darby and Sting and Team Taz. Uh, maybe Sting can do a street fight. Who knows? I think this is probably a really good way to do this because he's going to be in a multi-person match where he doesn't have to assume the uh, the weight of the match. And you can do like a uh, no-holds-barred street fight out of the ring thing, which will limit his exposure to like traditional wrestling moves, uh, which is a good way to use veterans. I assume this is going to end up being Darby and Sting get some partners and it's uh, like a like the, the, the principles of Team Taz uh, versus – uh sting darby and maybe one or two other guys right yeah probably and I, you know what cool i think that should be a lot of fun well i guess we'll find out i mean we do have a pay-per-view coming up i i, I was reminded so yeah that yeah it might be coming up soon uh we get a tease for thunder rosa versus dr Britt baker dmd uh coming up at beach break in in two short weeks and then we go uh, to Kenny Omega's house with the Young yeah, Bucks. Yeah, house. Nice house. Nice house, Kenny. Yeah, nice house. Lovely, lovely. You got a lovely home, Kenneth. Yeah, he, he's. But got no, a, I thought this. He's got some art. He's got some. Yeah, he's got some art on the uh, on the wall too. <laughs> Which was I popped for the art. That was very funny. It was uh, like a Ben Garrison drawing of Trump, where they like do like the insane <laughs> muscles and shit on him, yeah. but for Don Callis, I love that. And, and, and Kenny Omega, for that matter. But, I mean, Kenny is that Jack, though. Well, that's true. That's but Kenny true. really but he, does look like that. The Don Callis one was really funny. But Kenny wasn't home, and uh, Don Callis tried to buy off the Young Bucks uh, this by, by their silence. This ruled. This was maybe the best Don Callis-centric segment yet, and that's saying something. Uh, you know, we've talked about... What is this partnership for? And I think the conclusion we've come to is that this partnership is for Don Callis, right? It's so you can get Don Callis to do this role. And the way he big-timed the Bucks in this segment was chef's kiss beautiful. This shit rocked. This was like a perfect advancement to this story. This is about the best thing you could do to keep this shit interesting. 
Yeah, I I thought it was interesting that you know the 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 Bucks you know went back to their you know super kicking everybody phase that they had like a couple months ago before they went. They the like to have a super kick party. So uh, yeah, so we, we 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 fade out, so we don't actually get to see the 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 super kicks, but you know yeah. It's so heavily, Don Don uh, Don tries to buy off the Bucks. The Bucks say the checks won't clear anyway because we used to work at Impact and we know this. Throw the checks. They uh, they accost Don Callis, and then the camera goes black, and he starts screaming. Um, but before that, the promo he cut in, uh, like, big-timing the Young Bucks and stuff was just masterful stuff. And we're going to see more really good stuff out of Don Callis in this show. But, man, he's really crushing in this role. I can't say enough good things about what he's doing on uh, Dynamite and on Impact, for that matter. Our second match of the evening, Cody Rhodes against uh, Pretty... Peter Avalon. He is so pretty. Thank so God. I want thank God he has ditched that library. Li- and you know what? Gimmick. I was like, I didn't necessarily hate the librarian, but this is way better. It, uh, it was no, the librarian was not good. I mean, I thought he both he and Leva Bates made the most of it, and that's the best thing I can say about it is that they both really tried their best with the character they were given. But this is a more natural, more comfortable, and more entertaining character direction for Peter Avalon. Uh, the match, as the match starts, Jade Cargill makes an appearance, which leads to some early uh, offensive uh, 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 advantage by Peter yeah. Avalon. So but of two course... things I want to say about the beginning of this match. One, my girlfriend, the thing she said about Peter Avalon and seeing him for the first time was, who is this guy and why do I love him? Because, so I, I mean, it is a well, very good, fun character. Good thing she didn't see the early, the early Peter Avalon in AEW. Because yeah, she shit. was not, a, she did not see much librarian. I had to explain to her the librarian thing. Yeah. But, uh, and, and second, the way that they did this really w- was well executed with the joint manipulation and Peter attacking the leg right away and going for that one spot, you know, being the smaller, more overmatched guy and working one spot to try to soften somebody up to like exploit was a uh, really good uh, psychology and storytelling there. But in the end, Cody Rhodes slaps on the figure four and that's it for pretty Peter Avalon. His first mm-hmm. match in, on dynamite in like God knows how long it's been a while, but I'm thinking we're going to see more of it because I think this character is going to be way over on this show. We then go backstage for a promo with FTR, which is interrupted by Jurassic Express, and uh, some 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 shit is talked between the two. And the upshot of this is we're going to get a singles match now between uh, Dax Harwood and Jungle Boy. Hell yeah, we are, and I uh, this is inspired to me, Jeff. Uh, you know, it'd be really easy to just throw these guys in a tag match and let them hash it out. But a singles match between the you know principles of this tag, specifically Jungle Boy and Dax, I think is really uh, well booked uh, because Dax is going to make Jungle Boy look great. This is a really good matchup of uh, a veteran and a younger guy who is going to be a future star. I think we're going to see a lot of really good Jungle Boy out of this. Uh, keeping everybody at ringside in an enforcer type role I think is really good too. I'm looking forward to this one. Our third match of the evening, the return of John Moxley to this ring since he lost the title to Kenny Omega back in December against a guy named Nick Camarado. And holy shit, this guy is a big, beefy, bruiser that looking boy. That is a spicy meatball, let me tell you. Oh, my goodness. Now, apparently, I guess he was like 
Um, my uh, uh, one of my group chats I was in. Uh, they they said he was an NXT uh, coconut circuit jobber or something. Oh, okay. He looked mildly familiar. Like I know I've seen him somewhere before, but I just couldn't figure out where. There, there really is a superficial resemblance to to Bruiser Brody, though. Not, not a little the, bit. Not also, the skill, like a, but, like a slightly more in shape Kyle the Beast. Uh, so I guess he calls himself the Freak Beast, which okay. is a, which is kind of a stupid name. But but he's know. not Kyle, so you know. And there you go. Uh, Mox, of course, gets the win with a sleeper hold, and uh, love the sleeper hold finish. I thought that was really good. Cuts a blistering promo. Sure does. And, a box promo. Uh, with a, a, a Bullet Club drop in that as well. There's a lot of Bullet Club references happening. Uh, uh yeah. I it, 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 if I'm Naoki Sugabayashi, I, I'm going to be starting be uh, starting to get on the phone to some lawyers here, I think. Do you think they're doing this without NJPW's blessing? If if they are, it, it, they're, they're being really... You don't uh, think re- that something's... Re- do you, are, are you ready I mean, to put the tinfoil hat on and say that something's bigger is already in the works and that no, they've already had the conversations? I mean, I mean, G's do move in silence like, like lasagna, so, I mean, that's, you know. That's very true. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's we very just don't true. know what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, that Nick Camerato's big. He could be six foot, seven foot, eight foot. <laughs> Daylight come. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of hot fire promos with guys who spit hot fire on the mic, uh, we go backstage and the Kingston family, Eddie, Eddie in particular, cutting a promo on Lance Archer, Lance Archer shows up and, uh, Lance and Jake Roberts or excuse me, Kingston and Jake Roberts kind of get into it a little bit. That was a fun little exchange. I enjoyed that. Also, uh, man, butcher looks cool as hell. And he just looks great. Just the mustache and, and the chops are so powerful. And honestly, you know what? Blades look uh, wasn't too bad either with that. The the yeah, the neck gator and the bandana. Yeah, the sunglasses. That was so good. bad. That's Kingston Goon is a cool looking group of folks. That they, they, they are. They are. Um, someone who's not cool looking. Kenny Omega. <laughs> oh no! My God, that shirt, and, and, that shirt, and those pants, and then later we find out with oxblood cowboy boots. Okay, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. The boots were fucking awesome. The boots were really cool. They do not go with anything else he was wearing. Did they match? No. Are they cool? Hell yes, they are. Okay, fine. The Paisley shirt and and the striped pants, get the fuck out of here with that shit. He he looks like his character. He looks well, uh, like uh, uh, you expect uh, uh, this Kenny Omega to. Yeah, yes, like a dork who thinks he's cool. That's the that's the character. That's what this is. Uh, and yes, boy. is that a turned up version of who Kenny is in real life? Yes, because that's what the best wrestling characters are and always have been. Steve Austin has been talking about this for twenty five years, right? Like the best wrestling characters are the real person turned up to 11. Well, it's yeah. always been that way. And Kenny's got this shit cranked up to 12 and a half. Oh boy. That sure. It's, uh, no. it's actually good because no, it is not, it, no, it is not Manchester city's third Jersey is Paisley too. And it sucks. So, it dr- <laughs> but it draws the reaction. It is meant to draw. And you know, this is a podcast that's focused on wrestling analysis. And my analysis of this shirt is that it works in this role. Uh, my analysis is, is Can I wear it. 
Yeah, probably I would. Yeah. Yeah, you probably would because I would win, because yeah. you you as well are a major dork. <laughs> this is true. Correct. Uh, speaking of other major dorks, Don Callis appears and uh, his face looks a little worse for wear. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's wearing the uh, the super kick there. Yeah, he 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 is, which uh, leads to uh, Alex Marvez cornering them in in, in the men's room. So uh, who? <laughs> hey. Noted bathroom sicko Alex Marvez. Oh, Jesus. Our fourth match of the evening. Alex uh, Marvez thought he was Doctor Disrespect there. Our fourth match of the evening, uh, the team of Matt Seidel and Top Flight versus Matt Hardy and Private Party. You know, you take the two mats out of this, and I'm hyped for this match, but since well, we're here. Matt Seidel is, like, about the perfect third person you could pair with uh, Top Flight for a match like this, though. I thought this was inspired booking because uh, you have that other – the other side, you have Private Party with their veteran – uh, you give Top Flight a veteran who's also a, a, a flippy, flippy boy, and uh, you make magic. And you know what? That's what happened. This shit worked. Super fun match. It, it was an okay match. I, I, I it, it was okay. I, I admit I was a little distracted while watching it by by some other things. And plus, the picture in picture was killing me too. There was a lot of picture in picture, but the the bottom line is this: Top Flight rules, Jeff. Top Flight rules I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna debate that these kids can absolutely go i thought Seidel was a good choice to be the third man in this match uh it was a lot of fun and uh you know this i think there's a there's a theme to this show we'll talk about when we get through it uh but this match wasn't really about the action right it was about the finish and the post-match uh, uh stuff yeah, so the post-match, uh, well, actually, the, the, the finish of the match was... Uh, the finish is where the story was told. Yeah, a uh, a, a chair shot to uh, one of the... Uh, Dante. Of the, to Dante uh, led to the pin by, uh, by Mark But the Quinn. reactions, I, I thought Private Party did a really good job with this. So um, uh, Mark, or Isaiah Cassidy hits Dante with the chair... Uh, and Mark Quinn is already on the top rope setting up for, uh, for a finish and looks over and like kind of incredulously, uh, but Cassidy's smiling like, hell yeah, we did it. Check that out. Hardy, of course, you know, being the architect of all this, you know, insinuating that, you know, he, uh, approves and, or egged it on in the first place. And then that little subtle, uh, Mark Quinn turning and smiling too, and then doing the finish a really well executed heel turn here. Yeah, they, it, you know, and it was uh, cemented by uh, the Hardy and Private Party, uh, you know, doing a post-match beatdown of Top Flight and Matt Slider. This is a, this is a good heel turn right here. Sometimes they feel forced. Sometimes they feel out of place. Sometimes something just doesn't feel right. This is a good turn. I think this is the right direction for Private Party right now, especially with the first feud being Private Party and Top Flight. These guys are going to make really good foils for each other. Well, and and you know. The good brothers too don't and forget, the good brothers don't forget that yeah there's a whole there's a whole uh, uh group of things that play here uh but you know this is a dynamite sh uh, podcast so i'll focus on that part of things uh we then get a backstage promo with the inner circle and again it's it's whatever to me you know it's uh, they're repeating the same shit no yeah I, uh, I i respect sammy guevara's intensity in this one um kath barbadoro i think said this on twitter but i think she's right mjf is a little bit overwritten 
at this point. And I think a little bit less can be more for him. Um, I think they just uh, really lean on like his ability to cut a promo a little too much, maybe. Uh, and they could probably, you know, make things a little less worry and be more effective. But no, I did like Guevara's intensity, and I did like them kind of selling a little bit of that dissension prior to the match here. So a couple of those things worked for me. Yeah, again, it's just the the, the overall angle I just couldn't give a shit about. So right. <laughs> is the problem. So uh, speaking of angles, I really couldn't give a shit about um, our fifth match of the evening, the the, the women's segment of the show. Uh, Layla, what do you mean you couldn't give a shit about this? This is a Layla Hirsch match. What the well, fuck are you talking about? Well, right, but uh, the fifth match of the evening, Layla Hirsch versus Penelope Ford, a match that was merely there to be in service to the greater angle of Miro and Chuck Taylor. And, Charles. And, 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 wait, wait, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Charles, Charles Taylor. Charles Taylor. Me. Put some respect on the man's name, he already busts his ass as a butler. He doesn't need you coming in, all right, and disrespecting the title. Uh, the biggest takeaway I had from the match itself is I, it suddenly hit me that I would really love to see Layla Hirsch versus uh, Chihiro Hashimoto from Sendai Girls. Okay. I think okay. that match would fucking that, – that, that'd there's, be like a match with – there's a lot of matches out there for Layla Hirsch, but fortunately for us, a lot of them are available to her in AEW. The first thing they need to do, we've said this before, but I'm going to say it every time I see her, put Layla Hirsch in Team Taz. Oh, yes. Put her in Team Taz. She would be so perfect in Team Taz. She, she's made for Team Taz. She is absolutely made for Team Taz. Taz could put her over better than anybody else on this fucking roster could, plus her ability. Um... You know, I think you keep the theme of being open to, you know, keeping your stables intergender. I, there's a lot of really good things you could do with this, and I hope that they listen and entertain that idea. The match itself, again, you know, Penelope, we don't see enough of her wrestling uh, on Wednesdays, but she is a really skilled wrestler, and she gets she continues to get better. I thought this match was a lot of fun. Um, I thought Layla's... Uh, the, the big uh, rolling somersault onto uh, Charles and Kip was a really good spot. Yes. Uh, and Layla doing a lot of MMA stuff on a day that there was a uh, UFC card this morning and early afternoon from Abu Dhabi. Uh, I thought oh, really well, too. Yeah. So that's actually what I was doing with uh, half my day is uh, spending the early days uh, live streaming on Twitch with uh, the co-host of my other podcast, Fake Fight, Real Fight. Uh, he hosts a uh, sports gambling-focused show called The Bookie's Basement. I was uh, co-hosting that today, watching uh, some live UFC action. Hmm. Okay. I, I wasn't aware. Of course, you know, I had my, my mind on other things today, too. So, so that was like they, the, the prelim started at 9 a.m. Eastern, so 8 o'clock your time, and the main card started at what would have been 11 o'clock for you. Oh, jeez. Um, Penelope Ford gets the win after Kip Sabian, you know, prevents uh, Layla Hirsch from being able to kick out. Uh, afterwards, we get Miro being rude to Layla, I thought. And then uh, he further... He's rude, but I, he, can, he made up for it in that absolutely incredible tracksuit. Uh, somebody actually priced out that tracksuit. How much? Please tell me. It is about uh, $2,800 all told. All right, so folks, what I need you to do is uh, get your Venmos out. <laughs> We're start, uh, I, I'm happy to announce Boom Goes the Dynamite is finally starting a Patreon with a goal of $2,800. What it's for, I don't know, <laughs> but that's our goal. So just look out for that. Donate what you can. 
Uh, no reason, really. <laughs> oh, boy. Actually, right here, let me get the... Uh, no, actually, no. I was uh, really correct. Yeah, $2,800. The, uh, the, 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 the jersey is uh, $1,650, and the, uh, the pants are $1,150. That's it? Yeah. That's nothing. That's nothing. That's nothing. You you think that's nothing here? I'm sending yep. it to you right we, we now. We ball so no. I'm uh, what I so again, listeners. What I need you to do, <laughs> I need you to get one of those Don Callis checks and write them to me for twenty eight hundred dollars. Uh, during this, uh, Miro forces Chuck Taylor to say uh, that Miro is his new best friend in front of Orange Cassidy, which of course, yeah, we all know how this is going to go, eventually. We yeah, do. we do. We do. We it's do. True. It's true. Hopefully with, you know, Miro putting Kip through a table at the wedding. Maybe. Yeah. Even, maybe even with table a table and a cake. I would assume a table and a cake. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. even with a cake. It has to be. We then go backstage to find the good brothers attacking Penta El Cerro Miedo. And then Kenny Omega gets involved, including sticking one of those oxblood cowboy boots into Penta's face. Yes. Um, as this was happening, I was just going, hey, 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 excuse me. Hey, you unhand that man. You you, you stop. You stop it. You let him go. You you don't do that. You know, the, the, how, how do they go from like inching Penta to being main event status to, you know, this? But I mean, hey, maybe I'll lead to something. What do you mean went from main event status to this? What do, I mean, here's the thing. What does that mean? Because you're talking about Penta being involved in what is the most high-profile angle on the show. Well, I guess that is true. <laughs> right? Like, getting your ass kicked is part of wrestling. Like, you can't true. be a wrestler without getting your ass kicked sometimes. And he's doing it in service of what's literally the top angle on the show. on The top angle on two separate wrestling shows. Like, how much bigger can you get? Yeah, and also, right. con and, and continuing a storyline that we've talked about a lot that started in 2018 with Kenny Omega and Pentagon. That showdown is eventual. It but, actually, actually, it goes back farther than that. Because it goes back it goes even to, further than that. To PWG. It, well, there, so yeah, I stand even corrected on that. Like, this goes way back. And, uh, you know, they're going to announce a match for two weeks for Beach Break that Penta's not involved in. And I think this is a good idea. Holding Penny and uh, Penny and Kenta. <laughs> well, Penny, they, yeah, they that's right. Uh, Kenta, Penny Hard so. <laughs> Aphrodite Penny Hardaway is wrestling Kenta. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, but Kenny and Penta being separated for as long as humanly possible until you really get like the Kenny and Penta match. Th that's a good idea. Now, uh, we, we forgot I, I forgot to bury Kenny Omega, but it, it's fine that it came after this segment, after, you know, the 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 women's segment of the evening, because earlier today, Kenny Omega was quoted on a website by saying, I will have the biggest smile on my face when AEW's women get more TV time. Well, gosh, if only there you were an executive vice president and could do something about that. It was literally like reading about it's like reading a quote from one of those epic tweeting congressmen that always like are being like, sir, you can't do sir. This is not normal. We really want to make some changes. And it's like, you're the fucking government. You sh you're the one that changes stuff. Yeah, that's like the equivalent Jesus of Christ. This it, so just a vapid non response. Yeah. Uh, so so it, so it's either. Kenny actually doesn't give a shit. Uh, Kenny really is powerless against, you know, 
Tony Khan or Cody Rhodes, or see, this whole thing has just been a sham. I think maybe it's just that they don't have as much of a plan as we'd want them to. And I think Kenny is just doing the best he can to toe the line and not, you know, uh, say anything that offends anyone either way. I don't, I don't necessarily, uh, mind the response. Cause I, it's kind of what to expect. Like when you're an executive vice president and you get a question like that, that you like don't have an answer for, like, this is the kind of thing you say when you just don't have a good answer. Uh, so the answer is he just doesn't have a good answer right now. And, that's not good enough anymore. Like they're out of excuses and we've talked about that ad nauseum. Yeah. They're out of excuses. So another excuse is not going to fly. You have to book this show differently. Uh, the time has, it's been past time to do that. When we have three segments explicitly featuring Kenny Omega and, you know, three, Two segments and a match featuring the inner circle. Hmm, I wonder where we could have maybe, you know, squeezed a uh, another women's match in. You know, I, there was probably space for it. Like again, we you know we can nit, we can nitpick our way through this podcast and tell you when and where the space was. But if you're a wrestling fan, you probably saw it too, and you don't need us to do that for you. But uh, yeah, there needs to be more women on this show. We say it every week. I'm getting kind of fucking bored of doing it. So I wish they would just make this thing happen and uh, and book this show the way it's supposed to be. Again, you're out of excuses. Uh, you have the talent. You have it on your roster. Uh, I do think the addition of Jade Cargill is a thing that can be a game changer. Not because Jade Cargill is like, you know, some great wrestler or whatever. But man, what a look she cuts, right? Like what a figure. She is like a presence of a human. Like, holy shit, she's just, like, big and hot and jacked and, like, looks like a big star. Uh, and sometimes that's what you need to to kick a division on TV and, like, really get things going. So hopefully that's the thing. I'm trying to be as optimistic as I can uh, because I do like the women's roster on, on this show a lot and, and hope they get featured more in whatever way that you – I don't really care how you get there at this point. You just got to get there. Yeah, it, that, again, it's just that, there was just such an, a non-answer, and you know, for Kenny to say that while also you know having three segments tonight, give me a break, dude. You He's know, the champion it, of the show, and that's I get like it's okay for the champion to have multiple segments, or whatever, especially when you're involved in this big crossover angle. But that doesn't excuse the other side of things. No Sheeta this week again. Yeah, let's just leave I'll leave our women's champ off the show. That's fine. No, no, no Abaddon. Although they did admit they did mention a, uh, a, a an eliminator tournament tournament yes, coming up soon, um, which uh, we can only hope isn't on YouTube. Right. Exactly. Um. By the way, uh, getting back to the actual segment with the the Good Brothers and Kenny, uh, another Bullet Club. Reference, yes. uh, yeah, because uh, Anderson mentioned the biz quiz, so uh, hmm, something's going on. Stuff where, is where, happening. Where, 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 they're where they're suddenly being allowed to to reference the Bullet Club. If explicitly. this leads to God showing up in the states, either on Impact or Dynamite or both, I don't like, fine. Do whatever you got to do to get us there. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they do live around there. <laughs> they, they, they yeah, they're featured I mean, on NJPW Strong pretty heavily. So. There's a path to this. Yeah, well, somewhere in there. So, our main event of the evening, uh, the 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 inter circle match as uh, SJR calls. Inter circle match. 
uh, in which uh, Santana Ortiz versus Chris Jericho and MJF versus uh, Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager, which uh, prompted a, a brief uh, video interlude from Sammy Hagar himself. Just looks great. He looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 uh, we, we couldn't keep a straight face on that one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Sammy Hagar looks like shit. Sorry. Yeah, uh, well, if all he matches his his career, and you know what, for all the talk of for, for, for all the talk of you know all, all the licensed music, and they still couldn't, and they couldn't pull "I Can't Drive" fifty five at least. Jesus, I think they man. just didn't want to pull "I Can't Drive" fifty five. I think it's more. <laughs> it's not that they couldn't, Jeff. They've already proven that they could. Yeah. There's a reason that Baltimore is there and Sammy Hagar is not, and that's because Baltimore is better. <laughs> Quite. Um, what do you think of this match? Ah, uh, you know these are all good wrestlers. I thought this was uh, Santana and or- the uh, Santana and Ortiz show. Uh, did, 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 the, did, the best parts did, of this match uh, were Santana uh, and Ortiz. Focus. I'm sorry. Did you just say Jake Hager is a good wrestler? I, I, do I think? I don't think he's a bad wrestler. I think he's a horrible wrestler. He blows up okay. in, in he blows up in two minutes. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Him, his ability to wrestle and his level of stamina, I think, are two different things. I don't think he's a bad wrestler, but yeah, I think his uh, he he does blow up, and after he's blown up, he's uh, noticeably slower and doesn't execute quite as well. But I think he's like effective at being a big man in a lot of ways, and like when he's used properly, I think. Just purely as a professional wrestler, like there's a spot for guys like Jake Hager. As a person, he fucking sucks ass, and I hate him. Well, yeah, uh, but I, I wasn't even gonna bring. Well, that I've part seen up. I've seen worse big men wrestle than Jake Hager. Well, okay, true, but he he is not a good he is not a good wrestler. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not gonna be like, oh, well, he's a great worker or anything, but I don't think he's like terrible or anything like that. I think he's wholly serviceable. I, I thought he was John Moxley's worst title match. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, John Moxley had a lot of really good title matches. Like that's a high bar. That much is true. That much is like, true. John Moxley's title defenses were pretty much all really good, besides that one, which was average. Overall, I thought this match was kind of lame, to be honest. I, 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 I yeah, was... it was it was fine. Again, I, I thought mean, the Santana I, I... stuff was really good. Um, there were, a, I mean, here's the thing. The inner circle is less interesting without Wardlow being as involved, and I wish we would get more Wardlow, uh, just yeah. like in general, or split Wardlow off. Like I just want to see more Wardlow being featured and not on the fucking sidelines anymore. Yeah, I, you know, the, yeah, he, uh, the, and I, I'm just tired of most of the inner circles matches now are between themselves. Well, that's the point of like where we're at with this angle, right? Like the point is like they're having inner turmoil, so they're doing this in an attempt to work it all out. Like Chris Jericho's idea is, let's blow off steam within so that we are better without. Um, but you know that has the potential to blow up in Jericho's face, and that's the story that they're telling here, right? Is will this thing blow up in Jericho's face, or will it work the way he expects it to? Well, I mean, re- wrestling logic tells you, of course, it's going to blow up in his face eventually. Right. But but AEW, very good at subverting wrestling logic uh, and, and swerving people in like a, a positive way. I thought earlier in the night, the Cody match 
uh, was a uh, an interesting use of that because I think everybody thought that was going to be a shorter match than it was, and they got Peter got a lot more time, and that was a much more serviceable match than it could have been just a squash, and people would probably would have been okay with that. But I'm glad they gave Peter a chance to get some work in. So anyway, yeah, I I, I thought the match was lame myself, but you know, again, yeah. I've also I, I've also said you know twice already on this show that I'm really just over this angle, and I'm probably not going to be any less over it now that uh, MJF pins Sammy Guevara. Right, but that was the that was the way this was supposed to go. Like Jericho and MJF had to win this match because if you're going to keep telling this inner circle inner turmoil story and you're going to keep, you know, again, we talked about this at the top of the show. The whole inner circle storyline is all we're, we're we're moving towards the end game here, right? Like this is uh, us working towards a natural conclusion. And if we're going to conclude this storyline, these are the guys that had to win this match. Yeah, I mean... Because it, now you have that feeling of the other younger guys and the guys who didn't like MJF in the first place or want him there in the first place all saying, well, shit, here's another example of these guys holding us back. Yeah. Well, I mean, and if you're Santana and Ortiz, you have to feel that way. I mean, that, that And if you're, that if you're Sammy true. Guevara who got pinned by MJF there, you have to feel that way. Yeah, well, I mean, I just hope they get there soon because, uh, you know, the... This, the slow build is fine, but they've been slow building this now. I I think it, it's it's you know coming time for for payoff. I think. I think if I were a guessing man, I would say that this runs f- through Revolution, and maybe we get the Inner Circle blow up shortly after Revolution, or maybe at and Re- I think or our, maybe even at Revolution. Maybe at, but this feels like a thing that like something happens at Revolution that blows it up on the following Dynamite. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Per- That's where yeah, I feel true. about it right now. And then your first, and then they build up Jericho's first feud with a former Inner Circle member uh, up to Double or Nothing. Oh, yeah, that would be the next one, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah, forgot about that. So I think that's kind of the path that we're on for the Inner Circle this year, if I were guessing. Now, could that change? Absolutely. And do, do things change in AEW? They do frequently. And with that, we wrap up. Episode 64 of AEW Dynamite. Uh, Paul, overall, overall, not a bad show. I see. I really like this show, not for the wrestling. I thought the the theme we talked about, I said there, there was a through line for this show. To me, the through line of this show was that it wasn't about the actual matches. This whole show was about advancing and servicing storylines. And every match did that there were no matches that had no reason to be there so that i i thought was efficient and i thought the uh moving narrations forward with all these active storylines were well done pretty much across the board uh so yeah i thought this was an entertaining uh episode of dynamite and definitely anchored by that wonderful birthday segment with dark order and brody jr yeah already you know that that the birthday segment alone makes that made that episode made the whole show worth watching like even though it was the top of the show you probably could have turned it off after and been like a little like fine but that was must see tv well, you know, bro, you know, Brody Huber has uh, has a bedtime, so you know he, they had to get it going on. So he's a growing lad. Oh man, it, you know, I, I swear, if he actually does get into the business once he turns eighteen, look out because yeah, I think we might have a future. We might have a future star in his hands, and uh, it's you know he's got a great support structure around him. You know, obviously, all the best to the Huber family. Uh Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. 
I would love to. You can follow me on Twitter at ThickFlareTTV, Twitch at twitch.tv slash ThickFlare, and check out my other podcast. It's called Fake Fight, Real Fight. It comes out every Friday on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, all the different places that you get a podcast. It's me, my co-host, Harry Mack. We we take uh, – combat and kayfabe we put them head to head every week it's a combat sports entertainment podcast uh it's wrestling it's combat sports boxing mma and all different types of stuff uh coming up this friday um an episode i'm very excited about releasing it's uh mayweather big show versus mayweather mcgregor we had a great time talking about both of those crossover spectacles uh there's a couple other episodes out as well our episodes uh, episode two was uh focused on Brody lee uh so a lot of really good stuff there Please check that out and follow that on Twitter at FFRFPod. And, of course, follow this podcast right here on Twitter at BGTD Podcast. That's BGTD, like boom goes the dynamite podcast. And that's what I got. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter at GD Wessel. Uh, this past weekend, I, we, uh, finally a week after, uh, Boris Johnson tried to screw my co-host internet up, uh, we posted episode 49 of Busting Balls, so, uh, right proper mental in it. (laughs) Didn't you say that last week? Uh, probably. That's like the, (laughs) my go-to British phrase. (laughs) It's all up the apples and pears. Wow. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and listen to to that on the feed. So, uh, yeah. That's uh that's all I got this week. Paul, any last words? Um oh, I want to just say a nice thing about another PWOM podcast. I recently was able to check out that uh super special Days of Thunder Halloween Havoc episode and it was really good. So give that a listen. Oh yeah, yeah, our 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 guys. Yeah, actually that was a legit uh I I'm telling you if you've never actually seen that DDP Goldberg match, it is an actual legit great match. Yes, it's it has it's better than it has any business being and it was fun to revisit that and now I'm going to go back and watch that uh, at least a few matches from that show, and I'm excited to do that. Oh, good. See? Yeah, yeah. go back and, and relive memories. That... So so thank you to the lads at Days of Thunder. That's a really entertaining uh, podcast. Yep. Uh, Dave Ryan, Stagger Lee Malone, friends of the shows. All right. Well, until then, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.